Welcome to the Marriage Success Podcast with Dr. David Stevens. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight biblical principles for building healthy marriage and family relationships. Dr. Stevens is an author, seminar leader, and relationship coach to married couples and singles in the dating game. To learn more about Dr. Stevens, please visit marriagesuccess.org. But now, let's join Dr. Stevens for today's edition of the Marriage Success Podcast. Hello, this is David Stevens. Welcome to the Marriage Success Podcast. Today's podcast will be part two of my interview with Dr. K.J. Johnson. Dr. K.J. was a teenage father in high school. After high school, he joined the U.S. Marine Corps, but left the Marine Corps to raise his two sons as a single father. While raising his sons, he worked full-time and attended college as a full-time student. We will return to that interview after this important announcement. Hello, this is Dr. David Stevens with your Marriage Success Moment for today. Don't keep records. Don't keep records of past mistakes. Your spouse is human and will make mistakes, just like you will. So be willing to forgive, just like you desire your spouse to forgive you. And this is your Marriage Success Moment for today. This message was brought to you by MarriageSuccess.org. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have a special guest, Dr. K.J. Johnson. He's been sharing with us some of the things that he's faced as a teenage father and uh, having two sons uh, at a very early age and spending some time in the Marine Corps. And uh, he was just telling us he was at that crossroad where he had to decide uh, if he was going to be available uh, actively involved in the life of his sons, or was he going to stay in the Marine Corps? So we're going to fast forward a little bit, and uh, because I want uh, him to share a little bit about uh, what his um, crossroad decision was after he got out of the Marine Corps, and uh, he was trying to, um, you know, build a, a life with his uh, with his sons. So, uh, Dr. KJ, uh, tell me about the time when you say you got to a crossroad and you wanted to have your boys with you. You want to have a place for them to stay and play and so forth. Tell me about that. Okay. Um, well, when I, before I got out, I start, I, uh, the Marine Corps teaches you so much. Uh, aside from the combat training, there's a lot of leadership training. There's a lot of uh, training about just increasing your, your, their, uh, your ability to learn. Okay. And uh, one of the things with the leadership training I could see was about teaching and how can I teach these Marines, but I've left my sons behind. So the decision to finally say, okay, my contract is coming up. They offered a nice uh, signing bonus, but I still was not going to be able to uh, be where I needed to be. The leadership role I needed to be was not a sergeant in the Marine Corps. The leadership role I needed to have was a father with my sons. So uh, when I decided to get out, uh, of course, I got laborer jobs that uh, didn't pay very well. And fortunately, I was able to get a job with UPS that paid very well compared to minimum wage back in the uh, 1990s. And that income, uh, becoming a UPS driver, afforded me the type of income that was above average. And uh, my plan was to get my sons under the roof with me. 
And since their mother and I were not together, that pretty much entailed being a single parent. And uh, I looked at my mother. Uh, my mother was, uh, you know, not as well educated. She had, had uh, worked uh, cleaning houses. She had worked uh, as a cook. She uh, was in the hair care business now and actually had moved and owned her own shop. And I knew the money I was making was far more than what my mother made raising my sister and myself. So financially, I realized I could do it. And between those weekend visits with my son, I kept putting that subliminal message in their mind. Do you want to live with me? (laughs) And I just kept dropping that message on them every time I saw them. Sometime that weekend, I'm going to say, do you want to live with me? So they kept going back home to their mother and their grandmother and said, we're moving in with dad. And it got to the point. Oh, yeah. It got to the point that when I pick them up or drop them off, the grandmother would jokingly tease me. Oh, when they're going to move in? And I would always respond soon. So five years from the time I got out of the Marine Corps, they moved in. I had a small apartment. And two-bedroom apartment in not such a great part of town, but yet and still, it was mine, as long as I paid the rent. Yeah. So we started off in that two-bedroom apartment, and uh, they moved in in the summer, and uh, they went to the boys' club and rode their bikes. Uh, It's amazing. As soon as they moved in, everything that could go right in my life started going right. Wait a minute. Let's back up for a second. Now— I hear we hear commonly hear the stories about these great moms who raise their kids alone when the man is not around. And we hear these stories about these men who kind of duck out on the responsibilities. Are you telling me that you voluntarily took on this responsibility as a single father? Voluntarily took it on, prayed about it. And uh, I'm going to tell you, one of the best motivators were. Uh, I remember discussing it with you, the plan that I had, and, you know, it was always very supportive. I remember some of the books you gave me. Uh, matter of fact, I think you gave me that Manhood Challenge book uh, before I did that. <laughs> and uh, actually, the young lady I was dating at the time, she was a single parent. And I remember one of the most encouraging words she gave me one day. And she said it real simple. And she said, well, I know you want to move me. And she said, when are you going to do it? I said, well, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And she just looked at me. She said, there's never going to be the right time. Wow. And when she said it like that, and I looked at her and I saw her, she had three daughters. Man. And it it wasn't easy. And she was making it work. Yeah. And once again, driving that brown truck, I made (laughs) more money than the single people around me. Yeah. So I just made a decision like, we just going to do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So at that point, uh, you had already beat the odds. Already. You know, a lot of times you hear stories about, uh, you know, fathers don't want to have nothing to do with the kids. And here you are stepping up uh, voluntarily doing it and bringing them in with you, living in that small apartment. And uh, how did that work out being in the apartment? Well, my mother lived about three blocks from me. So that was a big plus. Uh, my next door neighbor, uh, had I had been there for about five years, and they were all the neighbors uh, right in that same area of the apartments got along very well. One of my cousins lived directly across the, the parking <laughs> lot. Uh, you know, my grandmother lived in the apartment, so I had, a, I had a strong family base to the point that when my sons came from the boys' club, 
the next door neighbor was on uh, uh, security duty. She was, you know, they may be in the house, my apartment, but they couldn't go out the house. She would just prop her little lawn chair right in front of the door and they could play right in front of her. That's as far as they could go. My mother got off work and came by and came in the apartment and cooked them up something. So by the time I got home, everybody fed and and, and took baths and, uh, you know, it, it, it just worked out. Boy, well, it takes a village. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, it, and that was like a little village because the parking lot was encompassed by the apartment complex. So the <laughs> kids would play right there in the middle, all the kids. So when the neighbor kicked in, unsolicited, she just yeah. saw them coming over there so much that one day they went in the house. And uh, I think I, I can't remember exactly what was said, but she just picked up on. They live here now. <laughs> and she came over and just let me know, you know, I get off at 3.30 every day. Yeah. And I ain't got nothing to do but watch these boys for you. No kidding. That's it. She just volunteered. Just um, I got came home one day and she was just sitting right there. And as I spoke to her, and I'm about to step in the door. She just kind of paused and, and, and I, you know, I spoke to her and and she just dropped that line right there. Really? Yeah, just simple as that. I'm here. I ain't got nothing else to do but watch them. Really? Yeah, that's it. Pretty and amazing. It was so amazing that I went to bed every night with a smile on my face because I knew I made the right choice. Boy. Everything you can imagine to start going in my favor, went in my favor after those boys moved in that apartment. Down to the point of within, I think, five to six months of them moving in, I had saved enough money to actually have enough down payment for a home and move out of the apartments. Okay, back up, time out. You're a single parent. That's it. You're a single parent. You're struggling, trying to look after two boys. But as they say, God is good and he's good all the time. Got to start bringing these people in your life, and you got a neighbor who's watching. You got uh, other relatives around. You got mom down the street. You know, so some of the challenges that you faced were not challenges that you couldn't overcome because you had a support system around you, but you wouldn't have never known that you had that support system had you not stepped out in faith and tried. Right. Had the conversation with my mother and uh, there was a, such a trust bond between my mother and I that that was not even a question of what she was willing to do because she had already proven it when the first son was born and I was 17 years old. Yeah. So that trust bond was already built with her and myself. And again, my sister, it, it, it was already there and it wasn't so much as a burden on them. This is something they wanted to do. Because they're, is there, there's their nephew, the grandsons, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. But what made the difference was well, by me stepping up, God opened those hearts yeah. that people volunteered to just give some time. Yeah. If it's no more than, <laughs> hey, tell them to come sit over here till you get home. Yeah. Okay. Those are the things that made such a big difference where just the point of, so many eyes were on them at the apartment that 
they um, unless they just willfully wanted to go get in some trouble, it wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. Nah, everybody in the apartment complex knew who they were. They knew who I was. Everyone was excited that this young black man is stepping up. Yeah. So there was a huge, I would say, uh, 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 what's the word? I well, you use? had a cheering section. You had a lot of people proud of you and were cheering you on. And I guess I'm glad that you bring that part up because that is something I think uh, needs to be communicated more often than not, because oftentimes the media will portray uh, young black men as being uh, uh, juvenile, immature uh, thugs who are irresponsible, uneducated. And here you are showing them that those stereotypes are not true. Because a lot of men are trying. And the wonderful part about it is when you step out and try, people will surround you who can help you because they're proud of your effort. And you got a chance to experience some of that. I met more single parent men once I became one. Because really? remember now, when you're single parent, guess what? You go to the doctor's office with them. <laughs> you register from school, register for school. You go to the track. That's meets. true. <laughs> all the things that come along with being a soccer mom. Now you you're doing those things. So yeah. all the teachers knew how I was. I'm coming to the PTA meetings. I'm at the Boy Scout meetings. I'm at the at the parade with uh, watching them go through in the Boy Scouts. So there's so much going on when you become a parent and an active parent. That uh, the, I remember the the principals at the schools knew me by name and they loved to see when I came by the school to check on them. Yeah. Oh, it was a big deal when I came by the school because the majority of teachers were women. Yeah. And they loved when I came to the class and checked on my son. Some Sometime I checked on him. It wasn't pleasant. <laughs> they, they, they liked the way I sorted it out. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't a friendly visit. Sometimes it wasn't a friendly visit. Oh, here comes daddy. That's right. One teacher said that uh, once she met me, anytime my uh, son got out of hand, she'd write my name on the chalkboard and he'd read that name and say, he'd just sit down. <laughs> yeah. She said, that's all I got to do, Mr. Johns, just write your name on the chalkboard. And she said, problem solved. That's all right. Because <laughs> they say spatter rod is for the child. Oh, boy, that's pretty good. <laughs> boy. Well, before we close out the program, I want to make sure that we touch on a little bit about the things that you did when you decided to go back to school because you told us that um, – you got your first son when you were in 11th grade. That's right. But as I introduced you, you said that you went to the military, but you hadn't heard anything about how you end up being Dr. K.J. Johnson. <laughs> okay. Now, single father, tell the listeners about that. Okay. Um, the desire to, to seek education never went away. Uh, I can remember... Uh, you said something years ago that I couldn't fathom. I was working two jobs plus the Marine Reserve, and they used to have this uh, show called In Living Color. And they had a guy on there uh, who played the guy, Damon Waynes, and he played this Jamaican, a Rastafarian. 
And uh, if you didn't have five or six jobs, he called you lazy bum. <laughs> and I remember one time you <laughs> referred to me as being that guy. And you said, man, how many jobs you got? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we uh, had one job. I had a part-time job. I had a reserve. And if I wasn't working in the reserve unit, I was painting it inside apartments on weekends. We had to make it work. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the the education piece just didn't go away. I understood that uh, I'll never move forward without an education. And you told me, quit working and go to school. And I couldn't understand that. But when I finally made it to school, there were so many people in those classes that had to quit their jobs to focus on school. And I was just doing everything you could think of. I had a routine where I got up at five o'clock in the morning and, and was working on whatever school work for, I had a routine where I had four hours a day went to school, two hours on the AM, two hours on the PM, Monday through Friday. And I had a regimented routine. I wouldn't let nothing break that. I lost relationships because my routine was so regimented that women accused me of <laughs> cheating on them because I couldn't be disturbed during those two hours on the evening side. You had a date with a book. Date with a book. I had to shut the phones off uh, mm. on, on Saturdays and uh, you name it. So I uh, was able to go to school. The uh, the uh, college I went to, they accepted all my college credits from the Marine Corps, knocked off about a year of school. So I was able to finish my bachelor's uh, in three years. And uh, I went cool. to school all year round. I took no cool. breaks. And uh, as I was f finishing my bachelor's, they came around recruiting for the master's. And uh, I had a I had a 3.98 average. And it was just unheard of for uh, wow. a, a non-traditional student to have a GPA as such. I can remember the day we both graduated. Yeah. <laughs> you got your second master's. And uh they uh, called the valedictorian, and uh, when they called the GPA for the valedictorian, which was a traditional <laughs> student, uh, all the classmates that I had been in school with looked at me because yeah. the valedictorian GPA was less than mine. Yeah, uh-huh, I remember that. Exactly. So uh, they came around recruiting for the, uh, and that's not being smart. I turned in every assignment. Okay. I didn't turn in any assignment late. I called the instructors. Uh, they put their name on the chalkboard. I wrote it down. I called them if I had a question, and they realized he's serious. So okay. you're telling me that you graduated with a 3.9 plus as a single parent while working? Were you working full-time? Were you working part-time or what? Full-time all year round. Wow. Matter of fact, uh, my oldest son is named after me. And what I had done, I had put a cork board in the hallway with their grades on it. Yeah. That way, every time they went to bed or they passed by, they saw what their grades were. And that was the motivation for keeping them up or getting them up. Okay. So guess what? When I went to school, my grades went on the cork board. Yeah. I wasn't going to have my grades on the cork board looking back. <laughs> so I can I always remember one of my son's friends passed by and he saw Kenneth Johnson and he said, man, I, he didn't look at the school. And he whispered, man, I didn't know you was that smart. And my son told him, man, that was not my grade. That's my dad's grade. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it wasn't about being smart. It was about turning every assignment 
turn them in on time so you didn't lose credit and communicating with your instructors. When your instructors know that you're serious, they give more. Yeah. Okay, so uh, as I said, they came around recruiting for the masters. Uh, I think two months after I finished the uh, bachelor's, I went into the masters. I was able to finish that in twelve months. The uh, school put me on probation when I went to my ma- master's program because I had a full time job. Oh, really? Yeah. So they didn't think you were going to be able to handle it. They, I had to get permission from the dean to take two courses at once because with a full time job. They said the, the the average person wouldn't finish because it was too much. Oh, really? Yeah. So they wanted me to take one class, and I'd already strategized that I can do this in a year with two classes. I was going to put that in my AM, PM routine, and I'm going to keep moving, right? Yeah. So they put me on probation, and uh, I had to keep a certain grade point average. Yeah. And uh, the advisor told me, she said, with your grade point average, she said, you don't even have to take. uh, What was the test you had to take? uh, The GMAT, GMAT or something. I didn't have to GRE. I think it was a GRE. I didn't have to take that because my GPA was at a certain point. But they put me on probation and I just forgot about I was on probation. (laughs) <laughs> so about six months later, I got a letter in the mail saying we're pleased to announce that you are no longer on probation. You know? And you're like, oh, oh, I was on probation? Oh, oh that's right. That's you, right. Did, you did tell me I was on probation. <laughs> so I took two classes for 12 months and uh, came out of um, came out the master's with like a 3.9 something, like a 9.2. And really? again, it wasn't about being smart. It was about doing every assignment and turning them in on time. Yeah. And engaging the professors. The professors really want to help you, but they got to know you want help. Yeah. And when you establish that you are serious and you act certain, they, they know who's faking it. Okay. And who just want to pass. And they know who's serious. Okay. Okay. It's just like a pastor in a church. You're looking at the whole congregation. They stand in front of that uh, classroom. They look at the whole class. And they know who's serious and who's not. So I finished the master's and, um, by that time, I had actually uh, gotten married, ah. and I met my wife while I was working on my bachelor's. Okay. So uh, there was a lot of conversation between us about our future, about what we wanted, and the direction we're headed. And we actually met because of being single parents. Okay, that's going to that's going to as the old folks would say, that's going to tie the bow onto this story. Yeah. Tell you what, let's take a quick station ID break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about. Uh, you know, you're meeting your wife, but also uh, the fact that you continued your education uh, on to your doctorate degree. You're listening to the Marriage Success Podcast with author and seminar leader, Dr. David Stevens. I'm here with Dr. K.J. Johnson, and he's been sharing with us uh, some of his stories uh, Things that he's experienced as a single father raising two boys on his own. He said he had a great uh, family network and neighbors and friends helping out here and there. And uh, before our break, uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, he had finished up his uh, master's degree. uh, And uh, he also uh, mentioned that he met his uh, wife-to-be while in school. So uh, tell us a little bit about... uh, you know, uh, how you met your wife and uh, uh, when you got married. Okay. Well, um, 
we met uh, doing classes, and uh, we actually met with some um, things uh, dealing with single parenthood. We would have these breakout sessions where we did study groups, and the conversation uh, being a single parent come up, and I didn't go advertising it. And at some point, they kept saying different things here, and I would add a little here and add a little there. And at some point, someone said, well, how do you know all this? Uh-oh. You know. And so somebody challenged your experience and or knowledge about your opinions. Where did they come right. from? What, what, what do you, how do you substantiate what you're saying? Because I, you know, I, my, my child is in my house. I do this. I do that. And at some point, it was just a simple, mine is too. <laughs> and the look, like, well, what you mean when they come visit? And nah, they're not visiting. Well, what, what are you trying to say? And it went from, because it was male and female in the, in the study groups. Yeah. And it went from this challenge into, whoa. Uh-huh. Okay. Matter of fact, I think one of the young ladies uh, said, oh, this, oh, you a real brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, may, I remember that being the comment, but I, I knew, I saw the difference. Ah, from that point yeah, on, yeah, that street credit did. It wasn't yeah. just something you heard about. Nah, every I could tell. So I'm doing this thing. I could tell there was a big difference in some of the conversations. But uh, <laughs> uh, finished that master's degree, and um, uh, we had gotten married, and I went from being a UPS driver. I had gotten promoted and went into management with uh, the company, and I had my first uh, assignment as an operation management person, uh, and I was actually over the drivers. And um, I still wanted to further that education, but I had been in school for four years, decided to take a break. But it got to the point when I kept looking long range, I couldn't do what I wanted to do with the master's degree. Okay. And I'm thinking past UPS. Okay. And so I decided to go back to school, talked it over with my wife and told her what I wanted to do. And she already knew but I kept putting it off because uh, I just trying to focus on my career at the time. But when I saw I'm still not moving at the pace I wanted to, and I really want to look at some other options. So I started that doctorate journey and uh, I I tell anyone you got to want it. You got to want it just like anything else in life. If you want it and nothing's going to deter you, if you start it and just don't stop, you'll get it. Yeah. So yeah. uh, going to that uh, program, uh, again, turning every assignment, turning <laughs> in on time, engage the instructors. Uh. <laughs> I stayed with that format all through school, and it has truly paid off. And one of the, I think, the most uh, uh, joyful feelings, and there was a lot of prayer behind that. A lot of times I couldn't come to family functions. Uh, we would go on vacation to visit relatives, and I would get up about 4.30 and grab my laptop and go in the kitchen while everybody was asleep and, and I'd work on school work. So by the time everybody got up, I'd be out of the way. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't okay. mess everybody else's fun up. I didn't neglect my okay. family, but there's a lot of times I just couldn't, could not make it to certain things. We can't go out tonight. Yeah. And all those things paid off because the greatest feeling I ever had was going to do the oral defense and I had already heard if you come back after you do your defense and they deliberate, if they call you Mr., 
You didn't make it. See, <laughs> <laughs> so if they call you mister, you, you, something didn't go right. Yeah. And if they call you doctor, you made it. Yeah. And when I came back uh, after the deliberation, they said, well, Dr. Johnson, how does it feel to be part of the team? And uh, I, I, I smiled <laughs> and I said, I feel good. And they said, well, uh, I think they said something about uh, um, now you can tell people to call you Dr. Johnson. I said, well, uh, a couple of family members and friends have been referring to me as Dr. KJ. And they said, well, would you like to be called Dr. KJ? I said, yeah, I like that. They said, well, this Dr. KJ it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was on cloud nine that day. It didn't sink in. <laughs> My wife was so excited. I'd called you about it. I'd said it to a couple other friends because everybody knew what was going on. Uh, my, my, my boss at work, he was just ecstatic about it because he had uh, somehow uh, he saw me doing an email one day and he saw something and uh, he said, well, hey, are you, are you in school? <laughs> and I told him, yeah, but I never told him for what. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when he found out I had finished. He made a uh, uh, on one of our conference calls. He made a, a a big announcement on top of a real nice email, and yeah. part of the email was to announce to everyone in the department that I had attained a doctorate. But his biggest part was let them know at no point did he let his job suffer because he was pursuing this degree. And he went on to tell everybody about the degree. He went and looked and found out what the degree meant of organizational leadership. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. And, and this is someone that doesn't even live in the state of Alabama. Yeah. My boss lives in another state. Yeah. But we had a good relationship to the point that he made sure he, he wanted his boss to know this is what we got in our department. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I told the listeners, when we got started on the uh, podcast today, we have a single father that we want to talk with. Now, this man has taken us from being a teenage father to going to the Marine Corps to becoming a concerned father in the Marine Corps and leading the Marine Corps because he wanted to be actively involved in the life of his kids to bringing the kids into his home and leading them as a single father and the support of friends, family and neighbors pitching in here and there all while he's working full time attending college, completing a bachelor's degree, completing a master's degree, and just concluding things by letting us know that he also achieved his ultimate goal of earning his doctorate degree. That's why we call him Dr. K.J. Johnson. Dr. K.J., thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's been a real delight. Thank you, Dr. Stevens. Uh, you took me down memory lane. Uh, <laughs> hadn't thought about some of these things in a long time. Hadn't thought about the details. And uh, just to listen to it, I'm sitting over here. Pardon me, like, I did that? Yeah, but the other did. part was, with God, anything is possible. And yeah. there's a lot of prayer, not only my prayers, but your prayers, my mother's prayers, and just the support. And I, and I, and I say this to any listener, whether you have uh, feel like you, you dropped the ball uh, there's a song and I don't know who sings it and they talk about a, a saint is just a sinner that just got up yeah. and if you <laughs> decide to do the right thing and I tell you this from experience that God has blessed my decision to do the right thing and I believe by far a lot of the blessings in my life came because I did the right thing well said, Dr. KJ. 
And that's a good place to close our podcast. If you have a marriage success story to tell or a story that you think may help singles in the dating game, please send me an email and tell me about it. Maybe we can book you for an upcoming podcast. You may contact me at dstevens at marriagesuccess.org. Again, that email address is dstevens at marriagesuccess.org. In the meantime, send me a friend request on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the Marriage Success Podcast, visit marriagesuccess.org to get more information. When you visit the website, check out my books. You can order paperbacks or download ebooks on demand. If I don't hear from you before my next podcast, be sure to always remember, love can last a lifetime.